Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality, where each week listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Welcome back to another episode of La Pafana's Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory, and today I have a really amazing conversation for you that I had with Jen Violi. Jen is a writer, mentor, and facilitator of Elemental Writing Courses. Elemental writing means remembering writing as a wholly embodied act of a wholly embodied being, and that we humans belong to and are in relationship with an animate world. Jen's spiral of identities includes, but is not limited to, original detective of joy, story sanctuary keeper, word witch, and mystic. She's also a Scorpio sun and Aries rising, where like both twins, I'm in sun Aries and Scorpio rising, a Leo moon, aka two fires, and a big dark water. (laughs) Jen is the author of the novel Putting Makeup on Dead People, a finalist for the Oregon Book Award, as well as numerous published essays, short stories, prose, poems, and other form-defying feats of word magic. Today's conversation, Jen and I dive in meeting the people of your soul tribe. This is what it sounds like. Welcome to Lapafana's Table. I feel like you and I have been hanging out at this table for like centuries together. I joke around with my students I teach during the day and I'm always like, how old are you? You know, and I'm like, I am 3,000 years old. That's how old I feel. Seriously, I have felt like that since I was little too. Like that's how did to be an old soul or, you know, you're an old soul, right? So I would love for you to give us an introduction into you, a little bit of your story and elemental writing. That's the journey you're taking us on. So what's it all about? Yeah. Okay. Just small questions. I'll just <laughs> just like the deepest existential question ever. Well, I mean, elemental writing is the thing that's kind of central for me right now that I'm really, really excited about and proud of. And I guess like where it started is, I mean, really there were roots of it. I guess there, there are like layers of it back though. Like I had thought a while back, um, years ago, maybe like 2008, ish, I was working at an acupuncture school in Maryland and I got introduced to five element philosophy, Chinese five element philosophy that connected to acupuncture. Um, and then the school happened to have a program where they were teaching people to apply it in their lives, whatever they did, whether they were acupuncturists or not. And so I just found it really compelling and started to just really get into like elements being connected with different seasons and how they were connected to our bodies and all of that. So like I, I thought for a long time, oh, I want to write a book on writing that's connected to the elements. And so that's coming. Um, but what it morphed into more recently is the series of courses, adventures that I'm facilitating. What that came from is a couple of years ago, I finally read David Abrams' book, Spell of the Sensuous. Do you know that book? No, but I want to. Yeah, I want you to, too. Like, it was really profound and life-changing for me. Mm-hmm. And in it, he writes about the history of language and how when 
most of us like shifted from like oral cultures into written cultures, mm-hmm. there was a separation that was reinforced between humans and the natural world. That language is part of that separation, which sort of is like head exploding for a writer. Mm-hmm. And I felt such a deep resonance in me and this like urge, this vow, this commitment that I did not want my writing or my work in mentoring writers to be anything that created more alienation from the natural world. I wanted it to be that reinforced our sense of belonging, that we are participants, that we're not observers. And so, I mean, that's that's for starters. There's more, but that's where it was born. That really resonates for me on so many levels. Writing is just like an excavation tool. It's like an emotional excavation. I see it mostly as for, for myself, but I love hearing that, that that separation. I've often been drawn to like just wordless song. Yes. In that way. And you're like, oh, all these. And that word sometimes feels so cumbersome. <laughs> and yet they're my way out often. Yeah, absolutely. No, I feel like it's an excavation tool for me too. It's, mm. you know, I find what I'm trying to say when I write it down. Sometimes I can do that with talking too, but there's just really a magic that happens for me with writing that. I don't write to be understood. There's this famous quote from like C. Day Lewis, I think it is. Like you don't write to be understood, you write in order to understand. So you don't write because you already know what you're putting on a paper. You write to like figure it out. Yeah. So tell me how this series of adventures is working and how has that kind of done its work on you? How have you been a student yourself of what you're teaching? Well, I started last spring, so spring of 2022. And the first one that I offered was water because Mm -hmm. I am a water baby. We've talked about our Scorpio connection. Yeah. And Scorpio is my sun sign. And regardless of that, water is just, it's easy access for me to my embodied self, to the natural world, and to where I feel comfortable, where I feel inspired, where I can flow when I'm in or near water. There's just always feeling of contentment and ease and just like, oh yeah, okay, I know how to do this. So I started with water and it was one of the most profoundly beautiful experiences I've had. And this was all on Zoom. And I will tell you my favorite feedback is that like everybody tells me it's their favorite thing they've ever done on Zoom and that it is unlike anything else they've ever done on Zoom because we get into it. We have rituals like that are part of the course that we are drinking water. We're working with water. We're doing blessings with water. Mm -hmm. We're looking at what water has to teach us about writing, like how a wave works like a story arc, for instance, or how water, if you look at how rain cycles and water cycles move, water's always moving back to source, always moving back to center. So what does that have to tell us about theme in a story? And when we get to the source of a story and how a story has that same kind of movement, And sometimes shit gets in the way. So how do we look at what gets in the way and fear that too? And how do we be aware of what's happening with water on the planet and be responsible member of this animate world and all of that? You know, and how do we recognize the water in us? Because we're what, like six, I mean, it varies depending on how old you are and et cetera, et cetera, how much water is in your body. But, you know, some parts of us like are you know, up to like 80% water. And so it's, it's in us and we respond to 
life as water responds. We're pulled by the moon in the same way. The tides in us are pulled towards that. So anyway, obviously I'm a little nerdily excited about all of it. Nerdily excited. I'm like, just, I don't know. I don't hold myself back from just being like, (laughs) please jump in, plunge, dive deep. I'm just moved to see the way that you express it. It's such a different way of relating to one's writing. Yeah, it feels like that to me too. And it's about that reducing that alienation and increasing that sense of belonging, you know, that it's not just conceptual. And like a big thing about it is one of the things that I write about elemental writing is that it is about reminding us that writing is wholly embodied of a wholly embodied being. We are not just like our brains aren't separate for us, like out in this like amorphous land, you know, our imaginations aren't severed from the blood and flesh and bone and breath of us. It's all together. And, you know, they, there are things that are get said to writers all the time, like, you know, get out of your head. And I think we're forgetting that our heads are part of the rest of our bodies. We don't need to like get out of ourselves. We need to get back into ourselves. I think, I feel, I know in my phone. It feels the way that you're talking about being a, a writer is is a new way of kind of being a human. Yeah, and a very old way since we're talking. I mean, I don't right. know if you recorded this part when we talked about how old we are. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. A new, but very, <laughs> a new old. Yeah, and it feels really enlivening for me. I think when you ask, like, how, does, how has it worked on me? It's worked me over in the way of making me more present. As a writer and as a facilitator, you know, as a person in this space, as a human, you know, it's just making me more aware of everything. And it's helping me to not feel so alienated and to feel a deep sense of belonging in a time when I think so many of us feel deeply isolated and alienated and cut off. And so it's, it's rooting me in a sense of belonging is one of the one of the ways that it's working on me. And what do you say to, you know, the I'm not a writer person who has that story, who is concocting that story in their head? What is your invitation to someone who's listening who says in their in their mind, I'm not a writer? Yeah, I'm not into that. Like (laughs) I don't believe that either. So (laughs) you know, I'm not a writer. You you're only a writer if X, X, and X. Like you're only a writer if you have a book published, if you've, you know, gotten a, some kind of important critical review, if you've gone to school for this, if you've whatever. I mean, you're a writer if you're putting words on the page. You're a writer if you're writing. And what kind yeah. of writer? Of course, like some people are brand new writers. Some people are, you know, deeply practiced, skilled writers who've been doing it for a long time. But to me, that doesn't matter in terms of like who shows up, especially for the work that I do. Yeah. It's, you know, it's an open table, like mm. a nice table. Come, come one, come all. I think that's so important. I know I've had that in my own journey of just needing to like really announce, boom, I'm a writer because I write. I'm a dancer. If I dance, like if I'm in the act of doing it, I'm that. Ibasta. Yeah. See. And that's it. That's it. I'm not, it's because I think there's a world of which we will, until you sometimes like own that, that you'll be chasing that thing constantly. You know, like, sure, who doesn't want to be on a New York Times bestseller list? 
that would be, you know, I think many or whatever, if someone has that, but I think sometimes that might be the, the little carrot that might get you moving, but like there's, there's the process that you become, like you become as a better human being by just doing the work. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately that stuff, it's not like soul nourishing. I mean, it's a real thing. I know as an artist myself to be like, I need to make some money, you know, like I need to survive in this world. And so to be a New York Times bestseller means you are making a significant income as a writer, which is not true for most writers. So like that is a real concern and need. Mm -hmm. And to have it, to have your art be um, controlled or like Mm -hmm. restricted by that, by that external, whatever it is. Right. Um, it's suffocating and it does let it flow freely. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people can get just like stuck on that. And then like, oh, that's the only way or that's the only form. That's the only form that this is, you know, and I, and I hate to think about how much just life force is missing from the world. Free flowing life force, because the only way that it matters is if it's in this form. You know, and it's a great form to be in. But when I think about, I don't know, the levels of depression in our, you know what I mean? Like, let that life force flow somewhere. It's going to do something. You know, it might not do the thing you thought it was going to do, but it's going to do something. Well, and it's such like the quickest way to kill something if you make it like if it has to be commodified, if it has to be a product. Like, I think probably what these elemental writing courses are most about is like to embrace the process of it. Yeah. Like, it's great to create something and finish something and share it with people. You know, there's something really beautiful in that. But if that's the only thing that matters, then we're going to miss most of our lives because most of our lives are not product, they're process. Mm. And that's just a whole different orientation to go. I mean, how much of our own lives I feel like do we miss because we keep waiting like, oh, until then, then. And it's like, can we just be within the process? Because we're the whole human journey is a freaking process. Like, it's not like, and I'm finished. Dun, dun, dun. Put a bow on me. I mean, I think we'd like to just like wrap ourselves up in little cute gifts and be like, done. I want to get us like maybe like T-shirts or tube tops or something that just say instead like in progress, like work in progress or whatever. Play in progress. You I know. love it. I think. And definitely tube tops. Yeah, <laughs> that's like one of the most fun words to say or two words, whatever. <laughs> top and since I was like a freshman in college and like walking to a bar in a tube top and no jacket because I don't know, did stupid shit like that. Well, you're welcome for bringing tube tops back to your <laughs> English. How did we get here? I don't know. Okay, so you also wrote a book. And can you tell us a little bit about your journey writing, putting makeup on dead people? Yeah, it's a novel mm-hmm. and it's a fictionalized, not version because it's fiction, you know, but it came from a deeply personal experience of me losing my dad when I was 14 years old and being so devastated by the grief of that, that, you know, like everything following that was trying to figure out like, who I was in the wake of that and how to be. And, you know, my journey was really probably opposite of the 
through the journey of the main character in the novel, who is Donna, because I really like I did everything. I did all the activities, you know, like that's he died on my second day of high school and I jumped into everything. I filled it the void. So grief sort of kept sneaking out later in different ways. And, you know, get down. Where did you come from? You inconvenient little. Yeah. But this character, she goes quiet and cuts herself off from everybody and everything and has a whole different journey. But the the writing of the novel was really deeply healing for me in my own grief and a way of, I don't know, I think sharing how grief can bring you so close to full vitality, if mm, that makes, you know, yeah. like in that place. Like I was listening to one of your early episodes and you were talking about the liminal, you know, and that space, that liminal space that's like you're right between death and life. It's yeah. they're, they're right next to each other. So I think that was probably something that was at the heart and root of writing that book and sharing that book. I'm going to ask, you know, because I think this was before we were recruiting, but like that we're not our books, you know, yeah. and kind of separating how one separates themselves from that which they create and put in the world. And I've been kind of looking at my own relationship to my writing in a book that I published in 2020 that I was just like, okay. We're just going to leave you there and I'm going to go run around with a puppet in the streets of New York City because like the world feels like it's falling apart. And, and and if I don't start having fun, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. And um, but I kind of like I feel like the relationship, with it, like I still feel like the book is working on me, mm-hmm. like that you're writing whatever it's done. It might be on, you know, in a bound book and on a shelf. But there's some some relationship that I think is formed that kind of keeps working on you throughout the years. Yeah, I think that's true. So my book was categorized as like a young adult novel, but mm-hmm. of course, like lots of grownups read it. Yeah. But I think about the, how there's something eternal about that experience. Like you don't have to be a teenager to know what it feels like to all of a sudden be reinventing yourself or to have your world fall away and have to build a new one or to go through those initiatory experiences. Mm-hmm. So I think the exploration of initiation is something that had continued to work on me. I mean, that's that's just part of everything that I do. Like how Can you speak more to that because I don't feel I mean, maybe in some circles, but I don't feel like initiation is talked about enough. Like when I think of the fact that I've like kind of accidentally gone through my own initiations and and have somehow survived without really actually having the right elders and and people to to guide and hold that space. Can you just kind of speak to what you what you mean by initiation and whether it's women in their 40s hearing this, if there's a 17 year old hearing this, like what is the initiatory journey for you? So definitely a rite of passage and definitely. So this is what side note, my Patreon page is called Initiation Station. You know, like what I what I'm kind of obsessed with. And for me, it's how endings always have the seed of a beginning in them. I think that's integral to what I mean by initiation. And, you know, I agree with you that there's not like we're not honoring initiations. We don't have rites of passage for the things, you know, that like, where's the croning initiation that I would love to have as somebody who's turning 50 this year? (laughs) You know, where are the initiations that happen for teenage girls? I mean, you know, like a quinceanera has sure. elements of real depth 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And then I think it could also become this like the same way that a wedding has kind of become more about a party than the actual wild initiation into what it means to like relate as human beings. Yeah, totally. And, I, you know, I do think there are it's not like there are no examples of initiation being honored. Of course, like we both grew up Catholic. Yeah. Um, You know, that's why in part why the sacraments always appealed to me, you know, mm -hmm. as a person who was like deeply involved in the Catholic Church and isn't really so much anymore, but knows that Catholicism will always be part of me regardless. Mm -hmm. um, regardless, you just accept it. <laughs> Right. But so the parts that appeal to me about that is the rituals like baptism or they like that when they connect with the elements to go back to elemental stuff a little bit, when it brings us back into our bodies. And I think our bodies are crucial to honoring or feeling or experiencing initiation. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if I like I feel like I'm drifting into like my all my initiatory imaginative waters here. I don't even know. If yeah, that's, that's the question. A, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I think you would appreciate this. And, I, and I'd like to have you comment on it because of what you spoke about in in ritual and that you don't have to have like a certification to do a ritual and all of those things. And I think one of the most kind of transformational times of my life was in 2014. I worked with um, my mentor and teacher. Her name's Julie Taller Johnson. Uh, and she has this book called The Wheel of Initiation. And she's just like an incredible spiritual mentor and writer and just like, oh, my God. I remember I found her and I was like, oh, you mean like a real not bullshit spiritual teacher? <laughs> and um, she shares one story that was just so important in my journey of like she ended up getting baptized like later. And there was something with like there was no holy water. And this whole thing of just like this inner thing of like, no, go make, make the water holy. What are you waiting for? That she like didn't need some kind of. Yeah. Why do you need, where do you need to make the water holy? Yeah. Make the water holy. And I like her sharing that in so much of my own journey was like waiting for, do, do you get a certification to say like, can I bless my land that I live on? Can I do that? And yeah. so from you, from what you're saying, like, the way in which that you incorporate ritual into writing and into your your adventures um can you can you speak to that a little bit yeah absolutely i mean i think it's remembering you know to bounce off of what your mentor said too like it's remembering the water is already holy oh you have to make it so it already is it's just like Ooh. kind of like clearing the gunk away from your senses, your eyes, I mean, ears, whatever, being able to hear that it's holy, to see that it's holy, to taste that it's holy, all of that. And, you know, for me, ritual is like, am I removing the filters that don't let, that stop me from seeing that it's all sacred all the time? Anyway. Yeah. I mean, ritual is just to me, like consciously engaging in the natural rhythms of this life that we're a part of. Life in a body is a ritual. There's ritual happening all over this joint, like all the time. And I'm shimmying for people who are, yes. you know. Oh, I forgot that. We're shimmying right now. We're shimmying. And but you know, know, we're up to become a supporting subscriber and pay for access to those yes. <laughs> Shimmying is extra. Shimmying is extra, Biages. Uh, and shimmying is not extra because it's just like what we do, right? Like that's what's connected to this. It's, it's our birthright to shimmy. And, 
you know, so ritual is happening inside us. It's happening around us. I mean, the sun rises and sets. The moon goes through these cycles every month. You know, water moves in a particular way. Fire moves in a particular way. Like there's, there's stuff that just ha- seasons happen, you know? So ritual is all around us. And I think that it's a false construct to say that we need some expert to lead us in it. Mm. And again, certainly people can be more practiced in that. I've had great teachers and people who have, you know, like shown me things about ritual. Like I learned a lot growing up at the church. I learned a lot from so many mentors that I had in campus ministry when I worked in that for years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since I've learned from many people. And I don't think it's meant to be something exclusive. Like it's supposed to like bring us closer to ourselves. It's not supposed to make us feel further away. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that same way. And there's something that like I can't like I can get like, especially when they become like so elaborate, the rituals, you know what I mean? That's when I feel like you could really observe the human craziness the most because it's like was i supposed to do two circles to the right or to the left and it's like look at this shit i mean like are you going to beat yourself up about it or beat the person up that made the left instead of the right or how are you going to relate to this transgression of the ritual <laughs> you know what i mean or are you going to be a dick or or is there going to be are you going to bring humanity and understanding and and so I I think it's kind of very I've always found that very interesting when I've observed elaborate you know rituals you know and I, I remember one time have you ever did I've spent a little bit of time on like the Shambhala Buddhist kind of path trying to escape Catholicism only to realize I'm like wait you guys are like fancy guys in chairs but you guys sit on cushions and there's hierarchy too. Wait a second. <laughs> Fancy guys in chairs everywhere. Fancy guys in chairs, you know, and then like, give, you know, like, I, I, I laughed because I can't not laugh. <laughs> and not that it's wrong or bad, you know, and I can, when I walk into someone else's space, I can do it. How do you want it done? I do it. But I always go like, how are we relating to each other? Yeah. Right. When you walk into the church and they're, Sit down. I didn't know. Same. I mean, I have deep respect for traditions and cultures and, you know, ritual. Like, and I'm fine following that too. There just has to be room for like, if somebody farts, there has to be room if somebody like doesn't do the circle right to laugh. And that the child, this is where it's like, you know, I love it. I love nothing more than like a kid in church who just is like, and you're like, we must quell the sound because it's still at a part. It's like, it's all a part of it. It's happening. It's happening. That's like one of my favorite, favorite stories of me as a little kid that my mom would tell that we were in church and, you know, the priest was like, let us pray. And I don't know how little I was, like three or four. I was like, I don't want to pray, like out loud in the silent church. <laughs> oh, God, that's gorgeous. And, you know, that's probably kind of how I've been since then. But that's. That and but that's the most childlike. That's the most like we've been tamed, taught so much to like quell those little honest outbursts. Yeah. Like, what is that if that's not like spirit in its most honest form? I don't, I, I, I have this moment and I always find that like God, spirit, however you refer to it, 
always has like a, there's always, as soon as I'm about to take it too seriously, like it's punch, something punctures it just to go like, no, none of this should be taken seriously at all. I was like, I'm the godmother of my, uh, of my godchild, my goddaughter. And we're doing like communion and I'm getting a little contemplative and what is, wow, my whole journey. What does communion mean to me? Yada, yada, yada. And I'm like starting to cry. And she looks at me. She's like, yeah, Didi, stop crying. Just take the shot. I'm like, the, the wine, just take the shot. Just take the And I was like, oh, Jesus, thank you so much for reminding me thank you. <laughs> that there is humor. And that this is like, we don't have to take, it's serious and not serious. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's like my favorite blend and that's probably my essential blend in within myself. Like yeah. irreverent and reverent, like silly and serious, yeah. you know, and to make space for that. Right. And not, I mean, there again, like if I have to go be reverent fully in another place, I will, but like, I definitely wanted this table to be able to hold the balance of, of reverence and irreverence. The, yeah. <laughs> They seem like really good dance partners. But yes, they are. That's a perfect way to put it. I love it. So tell us, you were in water. And now what is the next part of this adventure that's coming up that the people listening to this could actually participate in? Great question. Thank you. The next one is fire. And I am really excited for this. And we are starting. It starts on March 21st. So it's going to be the day of the Aries new moon. Side note, Aries for you. And the day after spring equinox and like in Aries season, fire season. And yeah, I think it's just going to be really beautiful. Like I have, well, I'll show you. My friend Mary did the, Mary DiLorenzo Wood, amazing artist, did this graphic for me. Um that is basically like she ended up picturing me as a volcano kind of embodying fire. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to talk about tending the writer's parts. We're going to get into like the anatomy of a creative chimney. We're going to have guest teachers as like volcanoes and hot springs and sacred flames. Oh my God, if you need someone to interpretive dance that, I would be very happy to. I am an equal fan of interpretive dance. We need to, okay, someday we're going to get together in real life and interpretive dance together. I feel it coming. Like in the, in the, like in the flesh. And where are you? I don't even know. Um, I am in Milwaukee, Oregon, which is just outside of Portland. So wow. Yeah. I love that this table just expands the yeah. good. Um, good. So prior. And then do you have, is that the last one of your, of this series that's coming up? So. It's not the last. Um, okay. I'm going to start expanding beyond maybe what people might think of as traditional elements. So the first one was water. Then last summer was earth. And then in the fall, we did air. And so this is the last of like, if you just consider four elements. But I've also done a retreat called Writing the Moon. That's part of elemental writing. So like there are going to be courses that focus on the moon that focus maybe on wolves or whales or trees or, you know, like I just want to kind of get into it. And expanding um, our own kind of elemental imagination. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. An elemental imagination. That's so exciting. I know. It's fun to say it too. 
I know elemental imagination element. Three times fast until you lose it. I know. And then what happens? We turn into all the elements. Yay. Yeah. Then you turn into fire and all of them. You've got a little time. Can I ask like one more question? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I haven't gotten into like, oh, what's the one question I always ask at the end of a podcast, but I feel like I'm getting there. But I do, given that La Bifana, her holiday is the epiphany. I'm interested in one of your most like recent little everyday epiphanies that has been, that has happened in your life or that has an epiphany that you've kind of had that has, you know, made you move differently in the world. Well, every day it feels like that happened. You're like, am I just living in an epiphany? (laughs) I am constantly being revealed and revealed to. Yeah. (laughs) I think, you know, what, what pops first into my head as connected to the rest of my body is really connected to fire too, which is something that we're going to be getting into in the fire course is inflammation. And the idea of not wanting to like burn out anymore, but wanting to burn from within. And for me, it's deeply personal. Autoimmune disease runs in my family. And that was part of, you know, what took my dad. He had lupus and eventually he had cancer and other things that you know, led to his death. But what happened is like three, three years ago, my mom died. So, you know, both parents gone in the world is like a leveling. And I got very sick within a month after that, like inexplicably sick. My hands started to get really tingly and this numbness and tingly stuff was going up and down my arms. Honestly, I'm not sure if I had COVID because it was like end of 2019. And I hear now that a lot of people had COVID and it ended up like unleashing autoimmune diseases that were latent. And I wonder if that's what happened for me. So basically, it was a mystery that happened. I didn't know what was going on, but my hands stopped working. Like I could not, you know, I couldn't snap. I couldn't write. I couldn't cut food. I couldn't zip things. You know, my partner was doing all of this for me. Friends were doing this stuff for me. And then the pandemic hit and I was just countless tests, doctors, nobody knew. And finally, like a a weird thing revealed it, like going to the dermatologist because I had these like weird hyperpigmented patches on my legs. And so they ended up taking a biopsy. At some point, a doctor had told me, oh, that's the least of your concerns. Like take care of this other stuff first. And then that was the thing that when they finally took that biopsy, they realized that I had a connective tissue disease. Oh. Like. I mean, it's connected, you know, it has some similarities with lupus. It's um, scleroderma is the name of it, systemic sclerosis. And it's a hardening part of it, for me, at least the version that happened in my body, the hardening of the connective tissue. So that's what was happening, like, inside my arms and hands. So it was a lot of inflammation. Mm. It's been an ongoing uh experience of epiphany for me to say that I real like just realizing how much I was letting myself get burnt out in so many ways in my life. Mm. Is that to say like the disease is a punishment for being burnt out? You know, like I'm not into that. No, 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 no. But it's to say that it's all connected, you know, to recognize that running myself ragged and that kind of perfect storm of grief and everything, you know, just sort of opened up this experience in my body. And I've had to really slowly rebuild since then. Like starting elemental writing came, it was like the first thing that I was able to really like get back and do when I was getting back into work and figuring out how much I could work because my hands are much better now. Like I can do a lot more. 
but I'll never be able to like fully close them again, you know, like into fists. And maybe that's, you know, that's part of the gift too. There's like an open handedness that will always be part of my life. Some of that is like just the lesson of the burnout, the inflammation, the needing to be receptive because I needed so much help. I needed so much support and care. And, you know, I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't want to burn myself out anymore. Like I want to learn to cultivate this fire within, like to be a good birth keeper in my own body. In your own body and in your own life. I remember I'm half Sicilian, half Northern Italian, passion. I'm Aries everywhere all over my chart. And so passion and these explosiveness is huge in me. And I remember being like, God, what is I just all this passion, but passion that consumes you. And you go, dear God, teach me, teach me how to have that pilot light. Teach me how to, how to have a pilot light that I can, that I could turn on and be flames and that I know when to go. Well, you know what? Let's. Let's turn this down, but let's keep the pilot light going. Yeah. Because I don't want to burn myself down. Yeah. And I think like, oh, we can do that. And that's where it's like these natural inclinations or what we say we are like, I'm a fiery, passionate, volcanic Italian. It's like it's part of it, but that's not all I am. And that's not all anyone is, you know. And when it comes to your survival, like that discerning wisdom of going, I know I'm fire, but I know I'm a lot of things. So where's that water? Right. Exactly. Where is I mean, that water? Because I mean, like, yeah, yes. the only natural tendency is kind of towards volcanic, but I don't want to burn myself down. I don't want to burn down the people around me, you know? So where do we find those places and spaces where burn, baby, you know, and get back to the pilot light? <laughs> because I think that so many of us have been taught to just go, go, go. Maybe sustaining ourselves is is pretty radical. Yes. And I am all for that radical. Um, Maybe like sustaining and nurturing ourselves and being like, this is a long game. (laughs) I mean, I am, I'm with you. You know, I'm half Calabrian, you know, like that's, that's one side of me. And I'm also like, I'm Aries rising. My Mars is an Aries. My Chiron is an Aries. It's all first house. Like it's all happening. And there's a lot of fire in my chart too. And it's easy for me to like go to the extreme with that. Yeah. But but it's not functional. Like it lays me out. And I used to be able to do that cycle better. But since I got sick, I can't. Like my body is just like, we're learning a new way to do this. Like I sort of got the like, the kibosh, you know, like that's not happening anymore. Like we're, we're going to do this in a different way. Or you can't function at all. And I I want to live, you know, like I want to function. I want to be here. I want to glow. I want to help other people glow, you know, like, and I don't want it to just like go up in a blaze of glory and be done right now. I think we all, that's why we need a whole lot of us at the table. <laughs> yes. That's why we need so many of us at the table, you know what I mean? So that we can lean into all these different ways of being, you know what I mean? Like when I'm only in the silo of what I know of my way of being, there's a whole, and I think, I don't know what's happening on like 
this is where I'm like, okay, God, creator, I hope you figured this stuff out on an evolutionary scale because I have no idea. I just know that I'm like trying to keep, I'm like, wait, is like the goal calm? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I, these are like things that I never, calmness, you know, what's that? But then you find some of these other folks that are, that have more, you know, that God gave those ingredients to. You're like, let me, let me hang out with you. Can you be the chef tonight? Well, and it's a relief too, you know, like that's part of this remembering our belonging that it doesn't have to be like all focused on self or all focused on humans. Like we are, there's so many of us at the table. And mm-hmm. us being like trees, us being rivers, us yeah. being other people too, and animals and whatever, you know? And it's, it's a relief because it's saying like, we're not in this alone. And mm-hmm. I don't know. And there can be a different, a different dance there, like a different shimmy. A shimmying? A shared shimmy. Now I'm going to make like a volcano puppet. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> Next. <laughs> okay. Hell, this is like the most amazing conversation. Obviously, I want to keep going, but we'll, we'll take it to a close. Jan, you're going to obviously have to be back in Lava Vana's table multiple yes. times. I'm so excited that you're bringing this elemental imagination to the table. And I hope that listeners who are hearing will join us because I will definitely be there. Thank you. Thank you for getting it and loving it and for opening this beautiful table. It's really like, I feel, I feel the mission of what you're doing here. It's beautiful and it feels good to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Again, many blessings. Let's shimmy our way off. Everybody shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. Everybody shimmy together. Shimmy together while you're listening. Take a little shimmy break. Jazz hands optional. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, you know what? I do want everyone, you're all sovereigns. You can choose if you would like. There's no jazz hands or die, but it's recommended. Yeah. Okay, Jen, you're, I love you. Bye. (laughs) I love you, too. Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to La Bufana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks, such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my Substack dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao.